Welcome to our Engaging Influencers podcast, where we at Ablaze Malawi aim to illustrate the significance of living an influential Christian life and how one could impact society. We do this by bringing real-life situations and stories to illustrate just how essential this is to the everyday Christian life. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello, fam. Welcome to another session of Engaging Influences with your host, Tlantla Dakar. Today, we continue with the series, Leadership Lessons from Biblical Characters. So last week, just a recap, we looked into the life of Isaiah, who he was, what time he was called unto uh, who he served, what he served in, uh, what we can learn from his life, and what we can learn from his writings as well. And he's really an inspiring character, and the most outstanding character that we learned from this guy is that it is up to true leaders rise up to the occasion, and that was Isaiah. Because in chapter 6, God just made a call to say, who shall go for us? Who shall speak for us? He didn't say that Isaiah go for me, go and speak for us. No. He just made an open call. But it was up to Isaiah to say, I will go. I will be your prophet God. I will be your mouthpiece. I will be the tool that you use for these people to return to you. So that's what leadership is about. It's about rising up to the occasion. So today we have another leader. A very inspiring leader whom I believe some of you, um, you will be inspired to do good in your time. So before we can jump into this leader, uh, let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you for the time that you've given us so that we can be able to learn again from these characters that you work through their lives so that they can leave behind lessons that will improve us that will grow us that will change us that that will make us save you more so it is that time again god where we can learn from the lives of these religions and we get to see what's possible what's right what's worthy to be pursued so teach us lord show us the truth and establish us in this truth by your grace we thank you for your word we thank you for your grace in jesus name I have prayed, Lord. Amen. Let's get it. So today we'll be talking about Hezekiah. And um, yeah, if you are a Christian who studies your Bible, this might not be a new name. Because um, it's one of those few good leaders amongst uh, the many leaders, uh, the kings that came after David. And there were very few that really followed God with their whole hearts, but Hezekiah is one of those few. So you have to know this guy. But otherwise, if you don't, then you have a good opportunity to get back to your Bible and you study 2 Kings chapter 16, verse 20 to chapter 20, verse 21. Or 2 Chronicles, chapter 28, verse 27, to chapter 32, verse 33. Uh, these 
uh, two books and pieces of scriptures are where you're going to find the story of Hezekiah. So I would encourage that you read both of them because there are some details about his life that are mentioned in one book and not in the other. So to have a fair balance and a, a holistic understanding or view or perception about him, then it's better you study from all these two books. Otherwise, Hezekiah was the 13th successor of King David. He reigned in Judah's southern kingdom, which is Jerusalem. He reigned for 29 years, approximately in the year 715 to 686 BC. He became king just at 25 years old. So I believe most of you that will be listening to this are young people. And I love giving examples of fellow young people because um, the, the wrong nation, I mean, the wrong notion nowadays is that, uh, you know, to be young, it's a time to just be free, do whatever everyone is doing, whatever you feel like doing. Very few young people are living purpose-driven lives. They are living a life of integrity. They are living a life of virtue. We just want to, you know, waste our youth but that's not how things should be done we are seeing a king here a great king who became that just at 25 years old so you are not too young where, where you are if you are not doing what you are believing for if you're not living your dream still be in the preparation still be ready because god can still use you anytime at that young age even so his name hezekiah it means god has strengthened in other um, words, it can also be referred to as God, my strength. He was a remarkable king. He was used by God to rescue Jerusalem from the Assyrians and bring reform and revival to Judah. He is known for his God-honoring prayer life, a remarkable miracle, and a tragic choice. So we'll look into all that. We'll look into all that. Just calm down. We'll look into all that. Hezekiah assumed leadership in a time and environment where the society was corrupted and degraded. It's important to grasp this because you have to understand the setting that he was called. Because I believe God calls everyone for a certain time, for a specific assignment. That's what uh, Esther was told by his uncle, Mordecai, that you are called for such a time like this. So you have to understand the time that you are in or you miss your calling. You don't have to just understand the assignment, but you have to understand where your assignment fits in your time. So Hezekiah, as I said, he assumed leadership in a time and environment where the society was corrupted and degraded. Actually, his holiness was in direct contrast with his father's wickedness. King Ahaz, who, is, who was his father, was very evil idolatrous and the things he did so unimaginable he sacrificed his own children to gods you know these idols he built places of worship for bar these are sheer poles everywhere he was so determined to sin and to make his whole nation sin against god that's how faithful to evil he was but despite how so evil he was, you come and see his own child, Hezekiah, standing up 
to say I'll be a different king and I'll do what is right. Not what my family has done, not what I found, but what the word of the Lord says should be done. And that's what leadership is about. It's about standing for right even if it hasn't been practiced all this while. So that's the time he came into play. Um, and this is just a brief personal picture and background about Hezekiah. So I hope you understand this man from these few points that I've shared. Otherwise, there are two main things that I wanted to talk about, like the two sections or categories of my sharing today uh, from the study of Hezekiah. So firstly, we are going to look at the leadership lessons learned from Hezekiah in transitioning from bad leadership to good leadership. As I've said, he came into play in a time when his generation, when his society, when the culture was degraded and immoral. And the one who caused this was his own father. So there had to be a transition from this immoral culture, from this moral society to a good culture, to a good leadership. So we have to understand what the process was like and that's the first part of this sharing then the second part it's gonna be on the things we can learn from hezekiah himself as a person and a leader so these are two important things because we are living in times when things are not good as a leader you come into a company you find that is not performing well there are a lot of loopholes there's a lot of stealing you know there's already bad leadership. There are already bad practices. There are already bad systems. You're assuming to government. You're in this government position. But everyone there, all they know is to be corrupt, to do shortcuts. How can it transition that society, that culture, that norm? And that, and by that I mean the bad one, the bad culture, society, norm, into a good society, into a good culture, into a performing business, into a thriving business. How can we do that? That's the first part that we want to look into. So the first point that I learned from studying this Hezekiah's life was that uh, you have to make room for change. The reference there, you can find it in 2 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 3. But what you have to understand is um, change is only the aftermath of right decisions and bold action. Before we have change, there are certain measures that have to be taken. And Hezekiah did well in that. He determined it to fix everything that was defiled in the temple and to get to getting the spiritual leaders on board with the plan that he had of reform. The strategy, in my own words, I'd say was clean the house and then cleanse the hearts. So that's the first thing that has to be done. You have to make room for change. Change is not the first thing that is done. It's the final. It's the product. When you do certain things, that's when change will come. You don't change the entire things come. No, 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 no. So you have to start making the right decisions. And you have to start making the bold actions. When you combine these two, that's when you start seeing change. So first, it's about decision-making. You have to choose to say, this is what we're going to do from now on. I know the right thing that has to be done. 
And as a leader, I'm saying this is what has to be done. And then you have to be courageous enough to take the bold action of implementing those good decisions. And when you do that, that's when you're going to start seeing change. Otherwise, you can just wish of good things in life and nothing will come about. Why? Because wishes are nothing if you don't take actions. So change comes with good decisions and bold actions. So that's how you make room for change. When you make those good decisions and you start taking the action, that's when you start seeing things changing. Secondly, good leadership admits the wrong decisions and actions that were done to get the country, the organization, or the business where it is today. So as a good leader, you have to admit the wrong practices, the wrong actions, the wrong systems that were made prevalent before your time, or even if you are there, that has gotten the country, the business, or the organization in the mess that it is today. A culture change is necessary and nearly impossible to accomplish without an authentic confession and lament of how the culture arrived to its corrupted state. If you will not repent, if you not have an authentic confession of what you did wrong, of the practices that were done wrong, and then you truly regret that, not as guilt or you keep it up, but you actually know that this was wrong and it shouldn't have been done. And you actually know it yourself and you confess it and you admit it. That's when a right heart for change shall be established in you. So there has to be that admitting of saying this was wrong and it has to change. So you can find that reference in 2 Chronicles chapter 26, verses 6 to 9. So I'll not be reading these scriptures. I'll just be sharing. I hope you are taking note and you're going to study in your own time. The third thing is to restore the foundations of faith, virtue, and progress. So this is what Hezekiah did. When he got there, he got the people to come to pray together, worship together. After they had removed everything from the temple. So he cleaned it by removing everything from uh, the temple. Then he came and established the issues of virtue and all the right things in the places of worship. So you have to get to the place as well where you, in an organization stating, uh, you, you must, okay, for example, in a church setting, this might look like re restoring worship, prayer and fasting. Um, making those times where you can actually say, okay, today we're going to have an hour of worship. Today you're going to have an hour of prayer and you actually do it. And as a leader, you take lead, you're in the forefront of making sure that these things are being done. So other issues can be like evangelism. You have to make sure that you actually create a program and a day, whether once a month, to say, guys, today we're going out to win souls. So there has to be that willingness and that active establishment of these foundations of faith, virtue, and progress so that there can be that revival and that growth in the ministry. In an organization setting or a business setting, it might look like um, restoring effectiveness and efficiency, 
through like uh, hard work, excellence, efficient resource utilization without wastage. It will also mean making integrity core. So that's what's needed. You have to restore these foundations. I didn't just say restore anything. I'm talking about foundations. There are certain things that once you restore them into the organization, everything shall go smooth. And that's what I'm focusing at. And that's what I'm saying. In a church, if you restore prayer, if you restore worship, if you restore Bible studying, if you restore evangelism, automatically people start loving God. Automatically people start doing away with their wrong habits, their wrong desires, their sinful lives. It will start fading as long as they've gotten into that place where they've started loving God more. In an organization, if you make it a priority to say, we are going to work hard, we're going to meet up to our goals, we have to make sure that we have deliverables, people are coming here on time, they are punctual, and you are not leaving work until you have done your work. This excellence, no good work, I will not take it, we are not going to spouse a mediocre work. When you put those foundations in place, progress, growth, shall be an automatic product. That's what I'm trying to say. Fourthly, you have to do away with systems that are prone to degrade good leadership and you have to do this publicly if possible. The way Hezekiah did this is that he came and he, um, he, he noticed what was happening, the wrong things that are happening, people are worshipping idols and all these things. So him, as a way to do away with these systems, that if they were left to prevail, they would have made the population susceptible to returning to that idolatry. So what he did, he smashed those idols publicly. And all other Israelites were involved in smashing the, the, the idols of bar and you know cutting down those ashira poles that was important so by doing this it keeps the organization the culture the society the nation free from that capability of retaining to the wrong habits and it also sends a clear message to say that we will not tolerate these wrong habits so it's important to do it and if you can do it publicly so leaders have to do the same they have to get rid of all corrupt and effective systems for instance if you have to take a nation like Malawi you have to be able to publicly punish corruption. Those people in civil service that are stealing money, you know, those senior people, the ministers, you know, even the vice president, all these people, if you know that they are corrupt, punish them publicly. That will send a clear message and that will establish an understanding to say that no one is free from the law. No one is free from punishment. When you do wrong, the arm of law will deal with you. So you have to do that. If possible, do it publicly. If it's in workplaces, you find today there are a lot of reports of abuse in workplaces, sexual abuses, 
you know, and all these other abuses. You have to make sure that you, you go to the deep of this, you find these abusers and you punish them. Suspend them, investigate, investigate, suspend. If they really did it, fire them. And if anything, get them arrested. It's important. It sends a clear message. Jesus did the same. He threw down the, the, the business things that were being done in the place of worship. That sent a clear message that you don't mess around and you didn't turn in, uh, the house of the Lord into a marketplace. We need such strong leaders. So those were a few things that I learned that facilitated a smooth transition from bad leadership that Ahaz had established to the good leadership that Ezekiah had brought into the scene now. So just a real up. Firstly, you have to make room for change. Secondly, you ha good leadership has to admit the wrong decisions and actions that were done to get the country, organization, or the business in the mess that it is today. You have to restore the third thing, restore the foundations of faith, virtue, and progress. Fourthly, and lastly, do away with systems that are prone to degrade the good leadership, and you have to do it publicly if possible. From, my, from Hezekiah, this is what I'd learned. Otherwise, as I said, that was the first part. The second part now is learning from Hezekiah himself as a person and as a leader what are some lessons that we can learn that can help us personally as well on our leadership journeys so time is rushing i'll try to be quick as much as possible the first point what i learned from hezekiah is that our priorities shouldn't change even though we may live in a wicked and immoral culture and we saw that in hezekiah you know, people are worshipping uh, idols and it was bad. Because as I said, his father, his own father, sacrificed some of his siblings to these gods. So people would take their children and sacrifice to idols. For wealth, for prosperity and all these things. And they, the former leaders actually built this Ashira pose and uh, Ashira was the goddess of fertility. They would take these poles and they would put them in a temple and they would put them in public places and people would have sex in front of these poles uh, in the name of saying that we'll be faithful, we'll be able to give birth. So that's how evil the society had gotten in that time. And it was normal. But just because Everyone has accepted this as the norm of the day. It doesn't mean you should too as well. And that's what Ezekiah did. Just because my father did it doesn't mean I have to do it. Just because the other leaders before me did it doesn't mean I have to do it. I know the God who spoke to me personally. And this is what he wants. And I'm going to do that. So our priorities shouldn't change. Even though we may live in a wicked and immoral culture. It doesn't matter if your family is a family of... You know, drug dealers, corrupt people, people don't worship Muslims, people are not Christians and all these things. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if, whatever it is, you have to make a personal decision to say that I'll be different and I'll be a good leader, I'll be a right person and I'll be an example to the future generations. So, wrong is wrong even if everyone is doing it. Right is right, even if no one is doing it.
Always remember that. Secondly, it is every leader's responsibility to deal away with wrong habits established in a society by bad leaders who preceded us. If you allow wrong to persist, this wrong might become the new right. So it, it is up to you. It is up to me to say no to these wrong things, even though you guys accepted it, even though the church accepted it, even though the people who we looked up to accepted it. But we have looked in the word of God. We have understood what is right and what is wrong, and we are not going to continue with these wrong habits. If the way to make business is always putting some money into someone's pockets, and if that's how everyone was doing it, we're not going to do that. We are going to compete with over innovation. We are going to compete with innovation. If the way to grow this church is by you know faking miracles and coming up with these shows and everything, we are not going to do that. We are going to pray. We are going to fast, and we are going to have a real revival. That is what we are saying, and that's what Ezekiah showed us. So it is your responsibility. It is my responsibility. To do away with the wrong habits that have been made prevalent by the bad leaders who preceded us. Thirdly, nowhere to turn to in times of trouble. Hezekiah knew God as a reliable refuge in difficult times. We all have places that we would want to find help, would want to run to. But good leaders know the good sources of help. So understand what is a good source of help. Understand what is a reliable source of help. And I'll tell you today, as a believer, as a Christian, God is that reliable and good source of help. And indeed, Hezekiah found help when a stronger army, a bigger army came against him. God came through, an angel came down, struck the enemy. The people ran away. They didn't even have to fight for it. God came through. Because he trusted in God. Trust in God in tough times and difficult times. You bring success to your country. You bring success to your organization, to your business. Trust in God. Run to God. When it hurts, when it is difficult, when you don't know what to do. Um, fourthly, know, understand that the good we do God will one day recall and add more years to our lives. That's another interesting story about Ezekiel. If you read about it, there was a time that he wanted to die. And actually God sent Isaiah to say, this man is not going to get healed, he's going to die. But when Isaiah came and told him this message, Isaac, you know, Hezekiah didn't try not to appease Isaiah Maybe you say, okay, I'll give you God, pray for me. You know? Isaiah, do something, just declare life in me. He didn't bother about that. He received the message. Him, we just turned away to the wall and he started praying to God. Remember what I've done for you. Remember how I've been faithful to you. Remember how I have sticked to your work. Remember how I've done away with evil. He just went there and brought his record before God. And God heard him and was like, yeah, what you're saying is true. You have done this and that. And for that, in my own mercy, 
not because of what you have done, but in the mercy of God, he said, I'll add 15 years to you. And Isaiah was taught to go back and tell Hezekiah to tell him God has added 15 years. And indeed, he lived for those years. So if you are doing good, don't give up. Sometimes God can look back down to the good that we have done. And in times that are tough, in times when your life is short, he can add more life and he can bless you. The same happened in the New Testament. Uh, in the vision. Uh, the man was faithful in the book of Acts. And uh, his works, they became peers. His works and prayers became peers in heaven. So that's what happens. Whatever we do, it becomes pillars in heaven. So in times that we're not even praying right now on earth, God looks at that and those pillars become our prayers in heaven. And God does things even when we haven't prayed for them. So be serious with the good that you're doing. Be serious with the work of God that he has assigned you. Um, similarly, the other point is faithfulness to God brings success to a person in reverse. The Bible says that... Whatever Hezekiah did, God made it successive for it. So there's a time that you please, there's a level in life where you please God and everything you do, he makes it successful. So you are serving God, you are praying to God, but there are also certain things that you are doing that have nothing to do with the ministry of God. But they're good things, some things that you're just passionate for. The secret to succeed in that is to be serious and to be faithful in the assignment that God has given you. Some of you, God has called you into ministry, but you also have businesses. The solution is not to leave ministry aside and go do businesses. No, if he has called you into ministry, first prioritize that ministry. Wake so much on ministry. Make sure that you can overlook anything but not the ministry. Once that ministry is put in order, you and God will be at peace and you find favor before God. Then these other things will just be working out. I'm telling you the secret to becoming successful. Do the work of God. The things assigned by God, do them faithfully and God will bring success to all your other endeavors, be it your business, be it an organization, be it your marriage, be it all these things of factors. Whether it's your life, your health, it will all work out well. The last two points, I just read them first. Uh, uh, yeah, the sixth one is when God has blessed us, and has made us powerful and influential, always watch out for pride. Uh, this is important because this is where Hezekiah failed. He felt the taste of pride. And he found himself, you know, eventually the, he showed off everything in the house that God blessed him to these enemies in the future. They came back and invaded his kingdom. So pride... Pride, watch out for pride. Most people, that's where they fail. When God has made them great, always be humble. Always be little in your own eyes. No matter how big you become, always be little in your own eyes. That's what I can tell you. Otherwise, lastly, the thing that I learned from Hezekiah as well is that we have to think longevity as leaders. We have to think succession as leaders. We have to think about our legacy. So what we notice is the guy was a person who just thought about his time. 
he never cared for what was coming after he was gone. And this is shown in twistesses. When he had sinned and he showed all these people and God sent Isaiah to say, go back and tell this person that the people who have shown all these things in your pride, they'll come and take over your kingdom. You notice that God said that this will not happen in your time. And he was like, ah, that's fine. You know, as long as it doesn't happen in my time. No. He was supposed to still ask God to say, have mercy, even if it's not going to get done in my time. But this thing should not be done even in time after me. But he didn't care as long as it wasn't done in his time. So he just wanted to make sure everything was good in his time, you know. And that leader, that everything worked in my time. And in the end, it, it happened that um, as sin, actually, later on, his son, the one who succeeded him, he was worse than any other king before him. He did so much evil. Like he wasn't born in a God-fearing family. So that's what happens when you don't think longevity. We have to be leaders that have to prioritize mentorship. We have to be leaders that have to put in systems that will prolong the wakes, the beliefs, and the virtues that we have put in place. So great leaders are not only those whose reputation survives them, but they are also those who put in place systems of longevity to good leadership. Mentor the next generation, train the next generation, guide the next generation, spend time to teach those that will come after you how to do things the right way, how to be hard workers, how to build companies, how to be patient, how to invest, how to handle finances. These are the lessons that you have to mentor the next leadership so that we can be able to see good happen over a long period of time. I'm talking about centuries of thriving leadership, centuries of thriving in progress, centuries of thriving in prosperity, centuries of thriving in good features in a society. That's what I'm talking about. So I hope you have learned something. I know it's a, it's a very long podcast, but yeah, blessed lives are never short. But as long as it has been, I hope you have really grasped the lessons from this life and I pray that whatever good that you have learned from here may God be able to make it true into your life may you be a person who shall do away with the bad that we are seeing around in our society and you become the verse of the tool to establish the good that God wants for our society you are called for such a time like this you are the light in this generation you are the change agent in this generation you are the principal factor in making God the main thing in this generation. May God use you. May God elevate you, prosper you, grow you, and make you a great leader in our time. In the name of Jesus, I have declared and prophesied. Amen. Stay blessed. Have a blessed week.